Cool, me too. And by play, I mean record, because that's the button you press to begin recording a podcast. Ooh. And that will probably make it in, because I like the way I said it. <laughs> Wonderful. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello, our little earbenders. Hello. Well, we have a special Welcome. episode. Well. We do. That's... Oh my god, I, like, just total behind the curtain here. Uh, Ryan here was out of town last week, so we had to postpone recording this episode by one whole week, and I was just so jazzed to watch the finale already. <laughs> It's a it's a good finale. It's it's you know I season one. Uh, sorry, I always say season one just out of habit, but book one officially uh, is what it's called, and it's nice. We finally hit like a big climax, a big event. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you, you know we've had some a lot of storylines kind of fold in on each other. Finally, yeah, it all comes together exactly. Like all the main players that we've met so far or that we've been really acquainted with, are in the same location. Precisely. And, I mean, to your, to your merit, I, I still think season is an appropriate term. Yes, they label them as books, but I still think it's a season of the show. But I, I do prefer the term books. It is nice. It's nice. Um, trying to explain to my wife today, uh, she was asking, like, how long, the sh- how long is the show? Like, how much can you really get out of it? And I was like, oh, well, this is whatever. This is, what, this is episode number 19 and 20 which gives us 10 recorded episodes for the first book, and then there's four of those. Or, sorry, there's three of those, right? Yeah, we get three books, and then we get the next series, which I think also has three books. That one has... That one has four. Oh, does it really? Even better. Yeah, yeah, that one has four. So even for that one, I'm like, it's the next series, I guess is the term to use, thinking of shows that kind of, like, break the season norm. Yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Anyways, so for this one, we will break form a little bit. I think we did it on one of the two-parters last time. We will both read one of the um, synopses. Synopsises? Synopsis sounds like a Yeah, we had a mid-season, uh, can't remember two-parter. what it's called. What was, what was it? I know, I can't remember what it was. I'm going to scroll up. I'm looking at, I'm on literally a list of all the episodes. There you go. How convenient. I can scroll up. Yeah, it was the Winter Solstice. Seven and eight. Yes. A few episodes Seeds of the North and... uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's right over here. Seeds of the North, episode 19 and 20. Wait, no. Damn it. (laughs) The phone is... The call is coming from inside the house. No. But, um... No, it was the Winter Solstice that we... uh, That I think we did the two-part. But essentially what we're going to do is we're just going to... We're going to treat it as one big episode, even though it is technically divide up into two i think it's just going to be easier because it is really one big yeah so even taking my notes i like i realize it's like so much it it ties together it's basically a commercial break between two episodes yeah yeah exactly so uh i will take the reins go ahead and read to you siege of the north part one episode 19 uh, original air date, December 2nd, 2005. I don't think we ever read that part, but I just did this time for once. We don't. We don't read that part. No. <laughs> the Northern Water Tribe braces against the attack by the Fire Nation. Meanwhile, Zuko sneaks into the North Pole to capture the Avatar. Aang realizes that the Water Tribe cannot defeat Zhao's fleet alone, decides to visit the Spirit World to get help from the Moon and Ocean Spirits. Hmm. I, I, I realized the period and comma were in the wrong spots there. <laughs> yeah, because I was, I was about to say, I like how they felt the need to specify, oh, the Avatar, Aang. Like, oh, 
In case you <laughs> In forgot. In case you weren't following. No, okay. I, but I see where you made the... <laughs> yeah, I, I see right away. I'm like, oh no, it's, uh, it's a period. And the next sentence starts with A, comma. Okay, that makes... Pardon my inability. This is why you read these parts. This is... Yes. Weirdly, your... This is your permanent... Show me how it's done, I'm an please. English I'm major. This and... is like half of my schooling right here is learning how to read. Uh, hi, amateur voice actor. Reading things should be... That's is true. the job I want that's to a, have That's is. a good point. Uh, okay, well, I will read the Siege of the North Part 2, uh, episode 20, also original air date on December 2nd, 2005, if we're reading those. Uh, uh, okay. Which I guess is worth pointing out, because it does mean they were both aired simultaneously, or I, mean, I guess one after yeah, the other. Yeah, it, was probably, it was probably a special or something like that, uh, if I had to assume. Sense. I remember I did watch them at the time they were released, so I, it, was, it probably was. True. Okay. Sokka, Katara, and Yue follow Zuko to save Aang. In the spirit world, Aang learns the identities of the moon and ocean spirits and that they are in danger. As Aang returns to the spirit world... Nope. As Aang returns to the real world, he is saved by Katara. Meanwhile, Zhao succeeds in capturing the moon spirit, the source of all waterbending. Aang enters the Avatar state to destroy the siege. Zuko defeats Zhao. And Yue gives her life back to the Moon Spirit to save the Water Tribe. Kind of a spoilery end to that. Yeah, but assuming that you've watched this already, maybe there's not, not true, too many. True, true, Because <laughs> we're about to spoil it anyway. That is a very valid point. But I still feel like usually the synopsis, <coughs> you want like a, here's like, how the story starts, where will it end, like, the spirit's in trouble, not the spirit's in trouble. And a character you've grown to love over the last four episodes commits suicide to save him. Wait, what? what? <laughs> that's true. It's a lot. <laughs> Excuse me. That's a lot. That's a synopsis and a summary. Well, what I'll say is, uh, like, we can start at the beginning. Obviously, um, it's implied right, right from the get-go that they've been at the Northern Water Tribe for, for a little while. Like, enough for yes. Katara to be learning under Master Paku. And getting to the point where she is the star pupil, uh, Aang not so Which, much. May I, may I interrupt and say, I'm really also, I, I kept kind of waiting for the moment, because he's, uh, he, he's a very, very snotty character, Paku. He's obviously, in the last few episodes, we revealed that he's a little bit set in his ways, and this is his first real foray yeah. into, like, trying new things. I, and he, he is kind of mean to everyone else and kind of pokes fun at everyone from either losing to her or Aang for goofing off. But at no point does he pull what I assume would have been the really obvious card that you've all been beaten by a girl. Or you've set your mind right, you've proven you can do anything a man can do. It is never brought up, it is never made a point of contention, and I really like that. Little, little character development for him there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but even just like in the show itself, and the fact that like, in most shows, when you've made a point of like, we'll let a woman join the military they're always the girl in the military or the girl on the team. No, no. Like, she, they got past that, and now it's just we can accept Yeah. No, I 100% agree. It's good that mm -hmm. uh, they didn't fall back on what would have probably been an easy easy thing to do in hindsight. Um, yeah. So, then it starts raining ash and soot. So, the... Oh, but before, sorry, before we get to that, oh. you have to, you have to just take a moment to appreciate the world's coolest Yip, yip. Yip, yip. <laughs> <laughs> My god. <laughs> it's, it's like, I feel like if you ever, like, if you ever see those compilations, usually, like, voice actors or, like, uh, or actors, 
like taking a really stupid line and trying to make it sound sexy like having like someone like someone who does like, like a voice of like iago or something i think well, i think he's done it before um godfried the voice of iago reading like 50 shades of gray yeah. like just basically taking like really bizarre like combinations so really flirty Sokka putting on the sexy voice and saying yip yip totally works i wonder how that'll translate to the live action show anyway <laughs> i guess that's what you would call the a big dick energy maybe or something like that yes <laughs> Which I have written in my notes somewhere else, actually. Oh, we'll really? There, I guess. <laughs> what, are yeah. the, what are the odds? <laughs> um, but yeah, starts raining soot. So obviously this means the Fire Nation is coming. Um, and it's creepy. It's, it really feels like something out of a horror movie. Like a ominous. really subtle something that isn't very... like. It's not something blatant like night falls and the creature appears. Or like the moon turns blood red, which I mean, we get later, but still. You would... It's something so innocent and innocuous of just like oh there's some soot in the air you would think but the fire nation would invest in trying to not have that happen i don't know i kind of see it the other way around i think they almost encourage it because it, it it's, it's a sign of fear it's like almost a signature it's like we're coming for you i guess maybe it's just like we don't care if it's, you know or not because you can't stop us yeah it's like, I mean, again, look at all the other, like, horror movies, like, the tropes of, like, Freddy Krueger, like, dragging his nails behind him, like, making the scratching noise, like, I'm coming for you, a werewolf howling, I'm coming for you. Uh, there's a lot of those little tropes of, like, when a villain or an evil force is after you, it makes its presence known to show that it doesn't care, it wants you to know, it wants you to be afraid, it wants you ready for it because you'll never be ready for it i i think it's a really good move and it's really dark and i love it i guess in hindsight that also plays right into uh what Zhao, what Zhao's character is he wants the glory he wants the legacy yeah. he wants to be remembered he talks about it all the time like he wants everyone to know who it is who's coming up to attack and defeat the northern water tribe that oh i i guarantee you if Zhao knew he had a few ships in his fleet that were the ones that made the most mess or were the old ones that had the much more clunky engines and spit out more fumes they were at the front of the damn pack it's true it's very very Zhao to come in announced yeah. uh, that's a good point I retract my previous well at least in Zhao's case I retract my previous statement it's mm -hmm. something he is exactly something he'd want sorry uh, so we then get another moment I've written down here which is the a pretty nice emotional scene. We get that whole moment where Yue says to Sokka, we can't do this. I I have to leave you because I want you. And if I can't have you, then I don't want to be around you. Which is... Uh, 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 my wife, who was sitting next to me during the watching of this episode for the first time in a while, mm -hmm. kind of like every time the love stuff came up, was like, oh my god, this is so cliche, like snort. It is. And she's right. It is, it is a lot of really cliche writing in a show that otherwise has a great writing, so it stands out a little bit as being chunky. It's a, it's um, interesting. It does give you the whole like duty versus what what she wants, you know, and which does play into her character later on. Which is a yes, it's a common trope, but I think which we're gonna get into later. I think the way it does play out in this set of episodes, it's uh, it's in a bit of a different light. So that that's nice. But yeah, it starts yes, out the uh, same, and then we yeah, and then we get kind of Sokka's rebellious response, which is joining the possible suicide mission. Mm -hmm. Um, which also then leads me in the, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's that moment where he says, like, there, it saddens me to see faces here that may not be here tomorrow, like, implying that some of you are not going to make it. Yeah. And it focuses on 
uh, UA, and then it focuses on Sokka, and then it goes to random dude we've never seen who we'll only get to know later? Yeah. Like, have we met uh, his a ton, if I'm not mistaken? Han? Like, have we seen him before this episode? I don't think so. Okay. Because it's a really weird moment when they're like, emotional scene. And here's a bunch of people you care about, and a dude I you guess never it's seen an who looks like a at, super bro dude. I guess it's an attempt at foreshadowing that we're about to meet this guy, and and you don't know him at first, and then, you know, he's cocky, he's brash. Oh god, he, he's cocky. And of course, of course, as all narratives go, this is the guy that is betrothed uh, to UA. Again, classic love triangle of, like, now you've got to work with the guy who's turns out is the one who's gonna steal your woman away even though she'd rather be with you but duty says she has to be with him like it's just it's again it's really hitting a nail on the head repeatedly yeah and they really don't make much effort to make him a very sympathetic character he's your typical dude bro uh like i think and again i guess i guess just given the limitations of how much story there is to tell in these two episodes they kind of have to throw him under the rug real quick that's true he's not in the had we like, had we had more time, I would have loved him to be an Azuko-like character where, like, he seems like a jerk and all that, and then we learn there maybe is more to him, and that maybe he would have been perfect for UA, and it really was just Sokka being jealous when maybe there really was a connection there. Like, I almost wanted him to be a good guy, just to prove that, like, sometimes that sometimes you're not losing to a loser, Yeah, you're losing to someone who actually does deserve to be you. That's it. In the end, we don't see him, except for, like, one other little scene uh, later on. Yeah, we get their little their little spat, and then we get him being thrown off the ship. Exactly, and that's, I think that's all we see from him. I don't know if we see him ever again. Uh, no, I don't think he... He could have been ridden out completely. Yeah, I don't think he died, time. but I do think he got wet. <laughs> but, um... I mean, if he did die, I don't think I would care. He's literally useless. He was literally less important than other side characters we've had before. Yes, exactly. Um, but it is cool, you know, Sokka knows all about the Fire Nation, so he does get to flex to flex on them a little bit, and, mm-hmm. and just, again, we see a little bit of his... his ability to retain information, valuable information, tactical, strategic, uh, you know, even yeah, just it's just as simple again, as... Again, we're in, we're in his area of expertise. We're in his, his strategist mind which again is something i continuously praise them for yeah exactly um i also do like another trope they do pull but i think is well done it's a really nice scene ang taking out the first uh, ship uh i like seeing uh appa just pick the guy up be like nope yeah i'm done with no no off the boat you're done <laughs> pretty badass uh, though the guy Aang. like swinging like Freaking mallets around. Hammer on a chain, yeah. That is... Um, and then again, the classic trope of like, oof, we did it. Uh, what a, what a well fought... Oh, there's a thousand other <laughs> ships? Darn it. Again, it's a classic trope, but it really does get the point across quickly and easily of how difficult it was for him to take out one ship only to have him have to go do it, as he says, another 12 more times. I mean... It's... As he, as he says, he's just one kid. Yeah, he's very discouraged at the end, it's, which is a very normal thing, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we don't see him on screen. He said he must have done a, a, a dozen of them, and there's still yeah. just so many more. Um, it's just a, a quick little throwaway line, but it shows you the sheer force that they brought up, the, the, the difficult nature of the task, and it's it almost seems a little hopeless, especially with that coupled with 
you know, when Aang does go back to the, I guess you can call it like the pond, mm-hmm. where he meets, well, he sees two fish in the pond. We don't learn who they are until later, but it's sort of like a yin yang type imagery. Again, a big yeah. theme of this, our little, uh, of this, uh, our little, huh, I wrote it down as, if only there were a place that were spiritual here. Oh, there is this place, Deus Ex Fish. A little bit. A little bit, but you get... And then I realized writing it down how accurate that actually is. It does is. introduce the theme of balance, which seems to be a, a very recurring... Uh... Throughout the entire series, even. Yeah, I, like, I, that's Something true. that always sticks to me is when we get to um, Korra's story, they always say the hardest element for her to master is firebending because it's the direct opposite to waterbending. True. True. No, that's you're right. Which, I, but they, which I guess, which I guess implies that earthbending and airbending are opposites. So is earthbending really difficult for Aang? It is. I don't recall. It is. Um, if I'm not mistaken, even in the pre, even in the sequel show in Korra, they mentioned that Aang struggled the most uh, with earthbending. So interesting. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that again. That's like a really nice bit of character development. I'd yeah, it was a throwaway line, but it, I do remember that. And and even in the show, you do see it. it it's, it's just we're obviously we're about to get into that one, so we will get there very soon. But um, just all that to say, I feel like especially in these two episodes, they even outright say like balance is important. You you need to maintain balance. You need to restore balance. Uh, but mm-hmm. you're right. Uh, obviously, the Avatar's job is to maintain and restore balance uh, in the world in general. But difficult because you know Zuko does get away from Zhao's fleet and turns up at the most inopportune time. Yeah, can we just have a moment there to discuss underwater Zuko? Absolute badass. That is like Mission Impossible level insanity. That was crazy. Like, like, he deserves that win. He earned that win. <laughs> no, he did. It <laughs> gave me a little anxiety, even though I know, obviously, he's going to make it. So. Yeah, I know. Anyone holding, anyone holding their breath in, like, a show gets me. Yeah. Um, again, I love one of those moments where I look at my notes and I love the wording I chose, which is just, underwater Zuko, badass. <laughs> Next line, land Zuko, two. <laughs> two. Also badass, it turns out. Yes. He had um, some trouble with Katara, but as we learn, I don't know if they mentioned it. I feel like they might have mentioned it before, but waterbenders draw their power from the moon, firebenders from the sun, so... Yeah, they do bring it up at some point, I, believe I so. do believe, earlier on. I know that during the whole Hosen Comet discussions where like the comet gives them power, it like, amplifies it more than the sun. Yeah, uh, the, I guess in something, the Winter Solstice like also, that. That, that's like a time when... when uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely come up. It's not the first time I've heard it, but it is a nice way to, like, touch on it again. It is a nice visual of, like, literally the sun rising and the ice becoming lighter and the sun hitting his skin and he wakes up. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, I do kind of love, and I was, like, a little warm smile on my face when uh, he's leaving the ship to go uh, on his little uh, secret mission, and Iroh's just like, wear a sweater, put your hood up, keep your ears warm. Like, oh, you're just like, you're a big soft dad. I love you, Iroh. We do learn that just uh, it... Iroh lost his son, right? And I think that's... True, that is... A yeah. main reason, well, a major reason why he does care so deeply about Zook. I mean, obviously, Iroh is just a caring person in general, but he he definitely does have that connection with Zuko, almost like the son that he, that was taken from him. 
Mm-hmm. So, do we ever learn more about that? I wonder. Uh, to an extent, yes. We don't learn a whole lot in the show. It, it is touched on more. Okay. Curious to get into that later, but we'll leave it for then. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that kind of takes us to the end of the episode. We get that nice little fight. We get his, uh, his upper hand on Katara and steals Aang and decides to, I mean, I guess your cop is going to rock in a hard place climb up whatever path he took and bring him into the really, really terrible weather in Tundra. Yeah. Where he can barely keep himself together and he's freezing to death while he's just dragging him through the snow. Um, but yeah, we get this little moment of like, he's gotten away, but has he really won? And the Fire Nation seems to have a plan. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Because like, the, you know, the, the, the moon is set it's daybreak again, firebenders are rising again, mm-hmm. and it turns to the next episode where right away we get a little bit of a little bit of background because Aang's in the spirit world, and he learns about yeah. the moon and ocean spirits, and those are sort of the, the two spirits that are guiding the balance. Uh, mm-hmm. Finds Roku, and he learns yes. about Ko the Face Stealer. Who steals faces. Oh, really? I didn't know. I couldn't yes. tell from I, 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 the, the description Roku gives was great. Yeah, code the face dealer. Don't show any emotions, or he'll steal your face. Oh, really? really? <laughs> the face dealer steals faces. I am shocked. Oh my god! But sorry, that was just one of those moments true. of like. It's a little bit of like. But again, we 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 laugh uh, because he is the creepiest thing I've ever seen on television, and I hate it forever, and I wanted to die. Go away forever. Uh, it is unsettling. It's very unsettling. Yeah. And then the whole, like, after after Aang leaves, like, we'll meet again. Like, oh. Ominous. Yeah, and again, those little moments of, like, when he puts on that woman's face with the long flowing hair as he says that uh, one of the, his past lives, 800 years ago, tried to kill him for uh, stealing the face of a woman that they loved. It's like, do we ever really find out who that was? Like, I want to know these backstories now. I don't think so. I think I so. I think I would really love to see, like, a bunch of, like, even a mini-series where, like, every episode was a different Avatar's, like, story. That would be nice. Uh, who knows? Like, there's so many places you can go in the Avatar universe. It definitely seems like the creators are interested in making more content, even though right now it seems yeah. to be just a, a retelling of this story. But, hey, who knows? But it might be a way to open the door to more projects. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway. Uh, we learn Zhao intends to remove the moon, which is not exactly clear right away. Yeah, but he's like, it's a really weird thing so to say. So it's like, like okay, okay, guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a, okay, you're a crazy person. <laughs> Anyways. But, um, um, we learn, uh... But no, we, we, we pretty quickly get over to, um, w- what he's discovered, which is an interesting little moment to share, where we learn a few interesting things. Yeah. Uh, most surprising is we learn that Zhao can read. Uh, I didn't expect that. I never in a million years would have assumed he could read. I was really like, "Wow, you pick, you knew what a book was." You didn't take him for the way he describes man. it. <laughs> um, but we also learned that apparently Iroh's already been to the spirit. Yeah, it was a bit of a throwaway line that I did not remember uh, yeah. before this watch through. Um, and it's alluded to. He's like, "Oh, I heard the story," so it's like one of those. Almost like it's a myth, and Ira never really confirms or denies it, but then in The Legend of Korra, 
we do meet him we, again in the spirit world, and yeah, given how much time has passed and how little, if at all, he has aged, there's definitely some interesting uh, thoughts to be had. Yeah, there's a there's that, that I think that's something to talk more about when we get to that. But yeah, I look forward to it. I love me my Iro, and we, oh, we, we get we get a good chunk of Iro today, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so the the moon and ocean spirits uh, are actually the fish that we saw in the pond. Tui and La, I wrote them down. Yes, thank you. I was gonna say I was like I'm sure I'm sure you wrote them down. What am I saying? I'm sure you did. Um, but what's interesting before we get more into Tui and La is that Katara and Sokka and Yue find Ang and Zuko. Mm-hmm. Katara, being under the influence of the full moon, easily defeats Zuko. He's knocked out. He's in the snow. They're about to leave, and Aang brings him with them. Goes back together, which inevitably saves his life. Like it, no question, he would have died. Um, no, but I, I think that's a. It's an. I mean, it's a super obvious character trait, both for the Avatar and for the hero in a story. To like here, they have an opportunity to leave him behind, let him die, or fend for himself. But obviously, no, we're gonna save him. Like we're not bad guys. We're not gonna stoop to their level. Yeah, Aang doesn't believe in Which, taking a life, and mm-hmm. I think this is not the first time. We saw it in the Blue Spirit a little bit, but I think Aang does believe there's something more to Zuko. I, I think it's not outwardly said, but I think... I, even more vague than that, I think he just believes that there's a little bit of good in everybody, and will give everybody a chance. I don't think in any scenario would he actively say, no, I give up on you, and let them die or let them or kill somebody like they'll always be the i'm gonna give you another chance kind of with him. that's true that's true that's a that's very much in ang's character and obviously his friends protest but he's not having any of it and mm-hmm. by the time they get back that's when Zhao has the moon spirit yeah in the bag and uh and we get uh we're gonna talk about two design aesthetics here the first being the red moon and how it taints the entirety of this like northern pole red yeah and it's just a very striking visual i mean it's like really easy to say like oh just make everything a tint of red but the way they do it the way it darkens everything so much the way we get these big sweeping shots of very militaristic and uh, forceful fire nation uh, waterbenders just cowering in fear and like have no fighting back it is it really conveys the emotion of the scene both in the imagery and in the colors i like i like that choice also like not only that but red just having that shade of red over the entire scene it's it's annoying it's it's mm-hmm. irritating and it 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 just shows the the balance has been disrupted so you're obviously you're thrown off. You're not set. I, I I'm losing my words a little bit, but like yeah, I, no. But I I get what you're gonna get across. It's it, it's uncanny. Something's wrong. Yeah. It's it's like when you go to the movies and you put on a pair of like back in the day when we were kids, those blue and red three yeah. glasses, and you close one eye, you can still see what you're seeing, but you're missing something. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's I, wow. How are we both so dumb? It's literally unbalanced. It's literally unbalanced. That's it. And my God, they are. Genius. There's an environmental message to say there also is you know you mess with mm-hmm. the natural order of things. You take away balance. You you introduce chaos. And I don't think we've ever seen Iro 
this angry, actually saying whatever you do oh, to man. the spirit, I will do to you. I will ten unleash times. upon you tenfold. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, is it a bad? Like, I just literally at that point, I was like, I seen a Team Iro shirt now, guys. Like, I'm Team Iro. And we still um, haven't seen quite the absolute full potential and capability of Iro as a fighter. But even this brief example we get, he decimates. Yeah. So fast and so precisely. It's 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 intense. Yeah. I also don't think Zhao course, is a great fighter. I think he's more of a commander, but even then just Iroh is not to yeah. be trifled with in any any regard. No. And then of course he can't lose, so he has to do the ultimate dick move. And he strikes the pond and kills the moon spirit. Yes. Yeah. Moon spirit is dead. And then part two of my design corner is the fact that the way they choose to show the darkness because we've we've seen night before we've seen dark before we've seen no light before but for this they virtually go black and white for the next few scenes yeah and the only light we get are the water when it's lit up by Aang and any of the color from Aang uh, we get small flashes of color from the fire mending and not just the flames themselves but like they actually do illuminate each other in the ground around them mm-hmm. To show that this isn't just, ooh, black and white for aesthetic reasons. It's just that we are in a world now where we have lost balance, there is no light. We are in this, like, black and white twilight, and the only source of light is the bending. Exactly, exactly. So, no, I, I agree. It's, it's nice. Uh, this is sort of meant to show absolute darkness, absolute absence of, of light, of of anything like that and then mm-hmm. you know Ira takes out Zhao pretty well Zuko has escaped meanwhile while all of this is going on um and we learn Yue was sort of owes one well that's like for lack of a better way to put it, she owes <laughs> the moon spirit a, a favor I owe you fish got it yeah yeah so <laughs> Ira pointed out right she's got white hair She's touched, yeah, by, the touched by the moon spirit, and it's some of its life lives on in you. Exactly, and so we know what this and, is leading uh, up to. And we can also just just to jump forward a little bit. We have that moment when uh, Sokka is speaking to Yue's father, and he says, "Like I had a vision when we saved her, this would happen." Like he has lived his entire life up till now, knowing his daughter was on a time. That there was yeah. a finite amount of time of his daughter that he was going to outlive his child out of duty and that she'd have to do this one day. And that's really sad. It is, but it's bittersweet because I, I don't think they mean for it to be sad. I think they mean for it to be, yeah, she's, she's leaving the world, she's sacrificing herself. But she's fulfilled, but she's, she's fulfilled a greater role in the greater good. No, I, I, there's definitely that side of it where it's like, you can be proud that she's done this amazing thing. and I mean, technically what she says to Sokka is true. I'll always be with you. It's, every night the moon's going to be there. It's true. And that's, that's it. And then, uh, obviously, angling into the Avatar state. I think this is the first time we really see the sheer magnitude of the Avatar state. And this is just Aang with two of the four elements. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And I do want to point out, though, I feel like... This isn't purely the Avatar state. I think this is also the Ocean Spirit joining forces with him. 
I'd say it could this be. Isn't like, he this did... isn't raw command of it, but even just the shape of the thing that he takes, this water beast he becomes, mm. has the facial features and structure of the koi fish. And the entire time, if we go back to the pond when they're there with the moonfish, the ocean fish isn't there. I'd say that's very possible. Um, but definitely fueled by the Avatar state, at the very least. Yes, I think this is the Avatar state with... This is kind of like, if I can go really lame here for a second, this is the Megazord with one of the other Zords attached to it that doesn't normally show up in every episode. Yes, there you go. Um, this is this is the Dragon Zord mounted on the back for extra <laughs> And then there's like a final duel between uh, Zuko and Zhao. Aang like reaches Where, out and yeah. grabs Zhao, and like Zuko actually tries to save him, which I was a little surprised oh, at. Oh, no, 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 let's, actually, let's step back a second there. Aang does nothing. By this point, Aang has been let go by the ocean and has right. exited the Avatar right. state. My bad. This is 100% the ocean spirit again, which is part of my other point, is we're now seeing that this force is still there. The ocean is still angry. And though, though Aang would never kill, the ocean's going to murder someone today. That's true. Yes, you're right. It's my mistake. It, it was just the ocean sort of manifesting itself and and this, like i said zuko hand, yeah. tried to save zhao which again but zhao is too proud to be saved it's a throwaway moment but it does maybe show that there is a you know the humanity of zuko compared to someone like zhao who is just so consumed by his need to be great his need for yeah Ex- exactly it's a small little like thing yeah, and I think it, it, it's important that we have that moment, though, because I think it's, again, another one of those Zuko moments of we're mirroring Zuko and Aang. We're seeing Aang couldn't leave Zuko behind because he's the bad guy. Yeah. This is literally the bad guy for Zuko, and Zuko goes, nope, I can't let you die. I'm not that kind of person. I'm going to try to save you. And then he goes, I'd rather be dead than saved by the legs of you. Yeah. Some garbage line you know he was planning to save before he got drowned to death. Yeah. Which... Kudos. That's it. I applaud the ocean. I didn't even, Good ocean. I didn't even think of it, but uh, yeah, another moment of, of parallelism between the two of them. It's very interesting that they both have the opportunity to save a, a, a very bitter enemy, and they both go for it, and obviously they have different results, but not necessarily yeah, because I, of... I, I do like it. I, I really love seeing how they can do these little subtle things, even if they're not... Some are a little more obvious than others. Like, this is like... It's obvious what he's trying to do, but it's still, it's, it's a really nice way to develop that character further and give us more of the, there's more to Zuko than we see. Uh, we even have a little monologue earlier that we kind of uh, glazed over, glazed, glossed over, which was the uh, speech, when, when he villain monologued to Aang, who was passed out in the cave, glowing, uh, about how his sister was born lucky and he was lucky to be born at all. Ah, a little foreshadowing. Lovely. Yes, which is... Where I am Gratuitous in my notes, I was like, exposition. Right, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the villain monologuing to a person who clearly can't hear you. And of course, but, um, the final scene of the episode. We get a little more of uh, our Fire Nation buddies yeah. sending over our next season's protagonist. Our, uh, antagonist, yeah, we don't learn her name yet, theoretically. Uh, we do know who it is. It's, it's Azula. It's... Yeah. Azula, who becomes oh. another amazing villain in the history of television. She is a very well-done villain, absolutely. Um, oh my god, she uh, she's quite something. We're going to meet her a whole bunch 
in the next. I'm really excited. Uh, like I forgot how much fun she is. Like I, I remember like I can picture her last few scenes in the show. Yeah. And they still fill me with such a weird like. Jesus. Yeah. Oh God, she's yeah. Yeah, Zhao was uh, definitely a sub villain. Uh, I don't think we see him ever again. Uh, I don't know if he's no, dead. He, he did. He's he did. probably Ocean, dead. Ocean killed him. No, no, I'm calling it out. It's canon. He is dead. Good Ocean. <laughs> there you go. So uh, thank you, Jason Isaacs, for your work, for your service. But now you fish food. Yes, now you're fish food. I mean, I mean, not the kois specifically. That'd be really weird. I don't think kois eat human. Uh, who knows? Some koiologist out there, I'm sure, is like shaking his head angrily at us. <laughs> uh, but this does bring us to the close of book one, and that is that is something. Book one, in my opinion, it's a great like. I love it. I'd say it's <laughs> still my least favorite of the three uh, seasons, and that's saying a lot because it's still, like I said, it's still very, very good. But I enjoy it, it. Definitely suffers. It definitely has uh, uh, suffers, I guess, from being the first book, where it has to do so much world building. It has to do so much exposition. It doesn't really get the room the next two books get to really just flourish. Like that's it. I, I think. Like I think I'm like trying to rank them in my head, and I think like I have to really. It's. I remember so much of book one because it's all the early stuff i remember so much of book three because it's our finale of this of the series yeah but book two like i know we meet some important characters i know we learn some things but i can't remember anything really like huge in book two that like that sticks to me as much as the other two books mm-hmm. so like i'm excited to go into this one with the probably the least amount of memory other than top yeah, no, book, uh, I feel like book one also is probably their proof of concept, like, it's on Nickelodeon, this is not a typical Nickelodeon yeah. show, we need to show them that it's good, we need to show people what this world and what its characters are all about, we maybe need to go a bit broad, bring in a couple filler episodes also, and I feel like yeah. books two and three... I- this is where, like, they okay... more leeway because... Exactly. Like, we have the show like, now. I think... We can go forward. I, I, I'm repeating myself. If I, if I am, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I feel like I brought it up before. I, I can't think of another show prior to this show, with the exception of imported animes that were redubbed in English, mm-hmm. that had a story or had a overarching storyline. Like, I look at other shows of that era of different animation houses and styles, and for the most part, yeah, they had, you know, some amount of story and some amount of continuity. Every episode was a self-contained bottle, or maybe the occasional two-parter. Nothing really told a story the way this show did when we were kids. Like, those of us who grew up with, like, Dragon Ball Z or Pokemon or, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! were more used to it, but for an American audience that only really went for American shows, I can't think of any other show at this time in the animated slots that would have done this yeah especially like on nickelodeon like yes sometimes you had overarching development but generally every episode was self-contained like i don't know if spongebob loses his pants in one episode he gets him back in the next episode and Oh, not even. He gets him back by the end of the episode. Or he gets... The next episode will start fresh. Exactly. He gets him back by the end of the episode, and it's never really brought up again. But So it, it definitely yeah. was a 
different show than what mm-hmm. a Nickelodeon audience was used to. I mean, even just like to, to draw another weird comparison, you just brought me to think of there is like when you think about this show as being a Nickelodeon show, like it's such a weird, like it doesn't fit the rest of their shows. Uh, for the number of video games Nickelodeon has put out where they've like made a Mario Kart clone where you play as all the characters from their shows, they never use Avatar content. It never comes up. It's true. They, they, all of their other shows kind of share this cartoony whimsy and like can cross over with each other in like third party titles. But Avatar's always kind of been the outcast and the fact that it is a more serious show. And I mean, I know when we had that whole scenario towards the, I think it was towards the end of Korra when it was like taken off the air and it was online only for a season or something. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, I do. I, I... There was something that they had to change. There was there was a, there was a time when like Cora I was watching a little more like week to week when it was airing. Yeah, uh, like maybe I'd be behind by a few weeks and I'd have to like reacquire a few episodes. But there was a while when like I think like the third or third season they were gonna cancel it, so they made it. They like let them put the last few episodes out online only on the Nickelodeon website, which was horrible and hard to navigate and terrible to watch because you can only watch it like what miniature size you can full screen it officially. Right. Uh, and then they got the numbers from that and were like, oh shit, here's your budget for season four, get on it. And there was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff I remember hearing about. And mm. I think when we get closer to it, I will do a little more research on that one because there, I feel like there was more of a development cycle that we can probably look into. Right. Um, okay. But I, we're getting away from ourselves. Uh, book one, book one, book one is fantastic. Yes. Book one really, as a proof of concept, proves that you can write a show that appeals to a young audience that isn't just i lost my pants what do i do without pants episode of spongebob yeah i agree and uh i like how they ended this season you know the big conflict is over zhao is defeated ang has more or less learned waterbending uh but here comes this new antagonist and not to mention we still have the fire lord who's at large well at large he's still Alive and kicking. Yeah, and we still have two more elements to master over these next two books. Uh, I do really like another moment, too, of uh, kind of the, the pointing out that his new waterbending master will be Katara. Like, she's gotten that good in this period of time, however long it's been, that she's really going to be the one to teach him, which I like. I like that. Yes. We start. We started so, so long ago with Aang being so good at waterbending that he could you know, master it so quickly, and she was frustrated by that back with the pirates and the stolen scroll. True. And now we've gone full full circle, and though he has learned the basics, though he can he can waterbend comfortably, she has truly become, in Paku's eyes, a master of the element, and can now teach him. Which I think is a great character development. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. So, mm-hmm. overall, very good. Sets up the stage very nicely for uh, season two, which this is where we start getting into some of the real uh, plot-driven stuff. Uh, I find, like, I could be remembering wrong, but I feel like there's less filler episodes in season two, or less episodes that have filler qualities to it. Uh, so I'm so excited to watch season two, I don't remember any of it. Well, you're about to. Like, <laughs> I'm sure like, as each episode airs, I'll be like, oh, right, this episode every time, but... yeah. I I can't tell you where anything I I'm, I know we get to Boston say I know we meet tough yeah uh 
I think that's literally all I can remember <laughs> from this season. Well, that's okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll get you there. I'm excited. I'm excited for another season of this. Um, to our listeners who have joined us on this road so far, uh, let's just say thank you. Thank you. You're a third of the so way done. However many of you are listening, we appreciate it. Any feedback we've received from you, we appreciate it. Um, I feel like if there is going to be a break in our posting schedule, it'll probably be now as we play catch up if we have to. Yes. Again, I think there's a lot of behind the scenes on that we'll get into, but mm-hmm. um, if there is a pause, hopefully by the end of the episode, I'll have edited something in here to let you know more about it. Uh, but again, let us know if you want to see us do something different. Are we missing something? Is there another element, pun intended, hey. of the show we could be touching on? Um, and what were your thoughts on book one? Let us know. We'd love to do a little recap, maybe. I've just got a few different opinions on book one. If we missed anything major, if we, you know, overshot something or undershot something, fill us in. Please, yeah. We're always open to feedback. Yeah. And on that note, we can close this book. Hey. Get ourselves ready for the next one as we physically enter winter. We'll go to a much warmer series of episodes. <laughs> That'll be nice. Nice contrast. Yeah. Sitting in my basement now recording, and I'm like, it's actually really chilly down here. <laughs> so, yeah, that'll... Yeah. our little earbenders, thank you once again. We will be posting again soon. As always, you may find us on the internet. I am at Boxless Thought on Twitter. And I'm at, at Ryan W. And uh, hopefully, we can maybe get ourselves. Uh, some space on the reddits to kind of get a more of a conversation going in the future fingers crossed fingers crossed and everyone have a good full moon tonight oh as you water bend to your own delight yeah